Please turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to be considering that, that whole chapter together tonight. If you know something of the, the timeline of Deuteronomy, you know where we are roughly in this book. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, of course, Israel receives the law of God, um, and the Lord uh, encourages or calls the people of Israel to, to teach their children uh, the, the truths of God's Word, the statutes of His law. They are to, to uh, bind them as a sign to your hand, and uh, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. In chapter 7, God talks about the fact that they are His special possession, the prized possession of the Lord, set apart from all the other nations of the earth. And now here in chapter 8, the Lord gives them further instructions as they prepare uh, to make their way uh, across the treacherous Jordan River uh, into the promised land that God had promised uh, on oath to their forefathers uh, to give to them. But He has some reminders for them some important words before they enter that land flowing with milk and honey. So this is God's holy word. Let's listen attentively to it this evening. Deuteronomy 8. God writes to His people, The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. And He humbled you and let you hunger and and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of the hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that He might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power, 
and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And there we're going to end the reading of God's holy word tonight. Well, there's an old phrase, no doubt you've heard it before, that those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it. Those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it. And the meaning of that, that phrase is simply this, that if we, if we lack consciousness about what has gone before us, what has happened before us, if we, if we haven't learned the lessons of history, then we can only lack self-awareness. We can only lack awareness of the world around us. We can only lack direction in life. And that certainly is true of our world today. Uh, we are seeing old ideas, old philosophies being entertained once again, even in our own nation. Uh, philosophies and ideas and programs that met in the past with nothing but disaster. So many in our land have not learned the lessons of history. That's true for our nation, but it's also true for us as believers. It's true for us as Christians. If we forget God, if we forget all that He has done for us, we are destined to live a selfish and an empty and a vain life. And that was the message that God commanded Moses to give to the people of Israel. As they are getting ready to pass over into the promised land that God had promised to them, this land flowing with milk and honey, a land in which there was no lack, no want, in which they would have much. God wants them to uh, be reminded of two things. He, he wants them to be reminded of His gracious care for them, His gracious providence in their lives as He rescued them from Egyptian bondage and drove out all the nations before them out of Canaan. He wants them to remember what He has done for them. But because of that gracious provision, they are to remember and they are to obey when things go well for them. And much like our spiritual forefathers, the people of Israel, God warns us in the same way. He calls us to remember and not forget His gracious providence, His ever-present power, His, His fatherly guidance that touches every aspect of our lives as Christians. He warns us, He calls us not to forget our God, not to forget all that He has done for us, especially when things go well for us. We must remember Him. We must follow His commands. We must obey Him out of heartfelt gratitude for all that He has done. We're going to look at that tonight from this passage as we, as we learn once again to remember God's provision for us, uh, to reject the sinful idol of thinking that we really provide for ourselves, and that we can boast in our resources, uh, but also finally to to remember that we, we, we live faithfully before the face of God by receiving the provision of Christ and His righteousness for us. As I said, 
the Lord's concern for His people, Israel, as they are getting ready to enter the promised land, is that they remember their history. And God, through the first ten verses of chapter 8 in Deuteronomy, He, he wants the people of Israel to recall all that God has done for them when they were weak, when they were frail, but also in times of prosperity, in times when things went well for them. In the first ten verses here, God uh, spends some time refreshing Israel's memory. He reminds them about all that He had done for them in the past by His mighty arm, His ever-present power. And these verses record how God fulfilled His covenant promises to deliver them from their enemies by providing a rich and prosperous land, by, by driving out the nations before them. When they were hungry, God worked a miracle and bread fell from heaven. When they were thirsty, water poured out of the rock. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes stayed on their backs. All of these things, through the testing, through the trials, God was confirming that they were His people. When He humbled them and disciplined them and clothed them and fed them, He was showing them that He was their faithful covenant God. That even through the ups and downs, He remained faithful to the promises that He had made to their forefathers. He was going to bring them into that good land. All through this, both in periods of little And in times of plenty, the Lord says to them here in verse 7, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of waters, of fountains and springs, flowing out into the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, so on and so forth. This is the the purest, most abundant land you can imagine. And God says, I'm going to bring you into that land. Whatever trials had bothered them before, whatever problems had worried them as they trudged through the desert, it would all be made right. It would all be corrected by the plenty, the richness, the prosperity, the abundance of this great land that He was going to give them. But He warns them, when times are good, when things go well for you, remember me. Remember me. Remember my providential care for you and respond with thankfulness and obedience. Oh, dear congregation, in many senses, we stand much like Israel did at that time, just east of the promised land. We wait with eager anticipation, with hope, with faith for for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, We wait for that great new land, the new heavens and the earth where all things will be made right and restored. We have a one toe already resting in the promised land, as it were, because right now, we are told, we share in, we experience the the special providence of God in many ways. I love what uh, Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 10, says about the way the Lord cares for us and all of creation by His providence. We read there that His providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God, by which He upholds as with His hand all things, 
heaven and earth, all creatures. And he rules them, leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty. In fact, all things come to us not by chance but by his fatherly hand. Our gracious providential God has met all of our needs. And he's met all of our needs in Jesus Christ. He's delivered us from sin. We, we belong to God. We have all of the blessings of the Holy Spirit now. God meets our needs on a daily basis through giving us food and drink and shelter and um, companionship, peace within our hearts that we are right with God. We receive the special providence of God because we are His special people chosen in Jesus Christ. And that's why we read in Lord's Day 10, question 28, that we can be patient in adversity, but thankful when things go well. When our lives are full, when they are successful, when they're joyful, when we're victorious, God says, be thankful when things go well. Perhaps that's the hardest for us to do. It's easy to turn to God, isn't it, sometimes when we are facing trial or temptation or hardship, when we are in need. But when we think that our lives are doing well, when we are full, we are satisfied, that's when we struggle to remember our God. But that's exactly what He calls us to do, to remember Him, to bring to mind all the many ways He's provided for us and magnify Him and glorify Him and serve Him. Remember your God. As we continue to follow along with God's message to Israel, we notice that God is very aware of His people's tendency not to remember Him, but to forget Him, especially when things go well. Uh, we could all come up with a few ways in which Israel forgot their God uh, and thought they could provide for themselves better than He could provide for them. We remember that when God rescued them from the land of Egypt, from slavery, what did they do? They grumbled. They complained. When the manna fell from heaven, when this marvelous miracle took place to feed them, what did they complain? Well, the, this manna, we're sick of it. It's not enough variety in our diet. Let's return to Egypt, where at least we had pots of meat to eat. They had a short memory. After God rescued them from the venomous snakes and the scorpions in the desert, when they were too thirsty to go on and water rushed out of the rock, how did they respond? Well, they forgot their God. And they made a golden calf in their own image. They gathered together sinfully to celebrate what their own hands had made. They forgot God. They forgot all that He had done, and Israel attempted to be self sufficient. Well, with that kind of track record, it's not surprising that the Lord warns them about how they should act, how they should live in the promised land when they are full, when they are satisfied, when they are blessed by its wealth and prosperity. Moses reminds them in verse 11, take care, be on your guard, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which I commanded you today. The Lord knows His people. He knows that if they forget Him, if they, they forget His gracious providence for
for them, they will begin to pursue the sinful idol of self-provision. They will start believing the lie of verse 17. My power, the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. The Lord says, no. You must never fall into that idolatrous way of thinking that you are the master of your own identity or or your destiny, that what you have is the work of your hands. And he warns them if they ever forget the Lord, if they ever turn to worship other gods or even the idol of their own self-provision, they will become like the nations that God drove out before them. They will be destroyed on account of their idolatry. Again, we are much like our spiritual forefathers. We're also tempted to embrace a a self-sufficient mindset, a posture of pride when we are living under God's covenant blessings and prosperity. But the same God who rebuked Israel for their pride and their self-sufficiency calls us to reject our arrogance when things go well for us. He calls us to examine our thoughts. He calls us to examine uh, our attitudes with some questions that really get to the core of whether we are grateful before the Lord. I ask you tonight, if you're someone who has recently uh, received better gainful employment, or perhaps have received a, a great raise from your boss, how do you respond when your job goes well? When your family is, pros- is prosperous, when your, your needs are being met in abundance, what is your response? What do you do with the, with the wealth and the riches that God has provided? Do you squander it? Do you misuse it for personal gain or frivolous use? Or do you give thanks to the Lord and give Him the amount that belongs to Him? Do you credit Him for the accumulation of wealth or boast in your ability to provide for your family. Kids, when those, those good grades come in, uh, you receive an excellent mark on a paper that you worked very hard on. When that dream scholarship comes in from the college you wish to go to, how do you respond? By, by boasting to your friends at how much you've accomplished during your years in high school? or by getting on your knees and praising the Lord for His his goodness. When your family is healthy and safe and, and doing well, or if the Lord has graciously spared you from illness or sickness, or He's allowed you to recover from serious illness, has that experience made you more godly and less worldly? Has that experience humbled you and softened you and made you a a more obedient servant of the Lord. The real question we need to think about is, does God's gracious providence urge us to serve and to worship and to thank and to magnify Him? Or does the goodness of His providence prompt self-sufficient thinking? God calls us to rely upon His gracious provision in Christ to pray that He would cultivate in us a spirit of thanksgiving that acknowledges that everything we have is a result of God's providential hand. 
that everything that we have is a gift from Him and is owed to His bounteous grace. It's the kind of admission that takes place on Thanksgiving Day when our tables are loaded with all kinds of delicious food, and yet we pray, Lord, give me my daily bread. Give me the most simple, ordinary needs because I rely on You for everything. Trusting God means we will have a spirit of gratitude, that we will not just be quick to accept God's good gifts when we ask, but that our lives will be lived with and as an anthem of praise, praise and thanksgiving to Him, dependence upon His will for us. When by God's grace we know the freedom and the joy of utter dependence upon Him and His providential care, even when things are going well for us, the fruit of that dependence and the fruit of that gratitude will be the humility that God desires of us. And so will we humble ourselves under His sufficient grace? Will we humble ourselves under His loving providence? Will we reject the pride of self-sufficiency, and cast our cares upon Him? Well, the answer to that question, how we hold up under the temptation to pursue self-provision instead of the provision of God is found in the only one who passed the test for us, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Because our Lord Jesus understood that although the physical bread and food and resources that we acquire for ourselves cannot adequately supply our nourishment and our needs. The providence of God is utterly sufficient for us. Jesus knew that all that we need for life comes from our heavenly Father. But He also knew something else. Jesus knew what it was to be tempted as a human being to reject the provision and the Word of God and instead to search in a self-providing way. You remember that Jesus, immediately after uh, He was called to His ministry and began His ministry, He was tempted. He was driven, Matthew 4 tells us, He was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And you can imagine the, the biting hunger that He must have experienced at that time. And we read that in the midst of that hunger, the devil came to our Lord and he said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Essentially, Jesus is urging Jesus to to provide for himself, to to reject the will of God for him, to to reject the provision of God, his heavenly Father, and to be self-sufficient to not be satisfied in in the provisions of God, but to exert His divine authority, if He had any, to meet His own needs. And what does Jesus do in response? He responds with God's Word. He answers Satan with words from our passage tonight. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, He says to the devil, man does not live by bread bread alone. Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth 
of the Lord. It's as if Jesus had said to Satan, God's will for me is something far better than physical food and drink made by the hands of men could ever provide. Even if God shouldn't provide food for me here. Even if God says no, He could keep me alive in this hour of trial by the will of His power alone. And so our Lord Jesus, He began His earthly ministry by actively obeying the will of God, by trusting His heavenly Father to provide for all of His needs. And brothers and sisters in the Lord, that's our calling as well. To stand obediently, to live patiently under His sovereign word as Jesus did, and to know that it's His word. That's the ultimate source of life for us. It's the only place that you and I will find true life and everlasting provision from Him. The Lord would have us reject the foolishness of prideful self-provision and instead cling to His life-giving Word. And we do that by receiving the provision of Jesus Christ. We give thanks that Christ, throughout His entire life and ministry, obeyed for us. He succeeded at trusting God and accepting His will, although we repeatedly fail at this. And so our ability to remember God's providence, to live willingly and humbly under His care, is not simply by imitating Jesus and His example. It comes as we place our full trust in our faith, in our elder brother, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5 tells us, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. We are the children of God for Christ's sake, because of his obedience in our place. And so it's our joy, it's our privilege to to, to live our lives under God's perfect care, under His perfect providence, even when things are going well for us. Because the one who supplies everything we need is the same God who has given us His Word by which we must live. A Word in which we learn about Christ, in which we encounter the Gospel. A Word through which we receive the nourishment and the provision that the works of our hands could never provide. And so let us cling in faith, in thankfulness, in obedience to God's provision in in Jesus. Let's remember, believe, and obey God, trusting His providence is perfect for us. We have all we need for life and godliness through Him by faith. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we pray tonight that You would make our hearts receptive to Your Word, that You'd humble us, that You'd make us obedient to You. We confess that one of the great challenges in our lives is to remain thankful and obedient when things go well for us, when times of relative prosperity and fullness and and victory enter into our lives. We're tempted, like the people of Israel, to forget God and to forget His providential care of us. That You've called us, Lord, to remember. 
and not forget. You would have us remember all that you have done for us in Jesus, your Son. You would have us remember that every good thing we have is a gift coming from your fatherly hand. And so, Lord, indeed, help us to cling with thankful hearts and obedient hearts to what you have given us in Christ and all the other blessings you have provided, all the needs that you have met. And help us to respond, not in pride, not in worldliness or selfishness, but to remember, believe, and obey you, trusting that you will meet all of, your need, all of our needs according to your perfect word, your perfect will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's sing about that glorious word as a foundation for our lives and for our faith. Turning to number 243, 243 in the Psalter hymnal. How firm a foundation. Let's sing stanzas 1 and 2 and then 4 and 6. 1 and 2, 4 and 6, and number 243, and we'll stand together to sing this song. As you go forward into God's world this week, uh, entrusting yourself uh, to your faithful Savior, 
receive this parting blessing from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace. Amen.